0: Good morning. good morning. So good to be together on this Lord's Day morning. I want to start with a math problem. No, I'm not going to take you to some of the places that the Gwyn boys often do, <laughs> but I was passing back and forth, giving one of my kids. A math problem, them giving me a math problem, this kind of thing. Nothing too complicated, but long and, you know, requiring some thought. I'm not going to say which child it was, though some of you who know our family might piece it together. And this child said to me, whenever I was challenging the answer, Oh, something you should know about me. I don't do order of operations. And so we had a long conversation about about the point of math and the way it works. And we talked about how there's a lot of different ways to get to conclusions. I know there's new math and new techniques and different ideas, but if you don't end up at the right conclusion, you didn't do it right. You can innovate as long as you get to the right place. There is one right answer. That is true. If, if 2 plus 2 stops being 4, then, you know, nothing is going to work. Our cars won't work. Our computers won't work. Gravity won't You know, things, things depend on a certain standard of truth. And we can maybe look at scriptures differently. We can approach things differently. But... Truth is truth. There is a conclusion that is right. And we're meant to end up at the right place. There's a quote from one of the biggest bestsellers in the religious world over the last 20 years or so. A good book has some good stuff in it. And, and the quote has a lot of good, good in it too. But it kind of I wanted to pull out something from it. He's talking about judgment, Rick Warren, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. And he says at the judgment, God won't ask you about your religious beliefs or your doctrinal views. The only thing that will matter is, did you accept what Jesus did for you? And did you learn to love and trust him? And, And I agree, love and trust for Christ is the heart of the issue, rightly understood. But what I want to caution us about is kind of a just Jesus evangelical culture that downplays teaching, that downplays doctrine. What's the big deal? Or do we view doctrine as just the kind of minutia that people argue about that doesn't really matter? And I'm not talking about wrangling over words about some tiny little detail somewhere that we can't really even know and has no bearing on anything. The teaching of Christ matters. And when, when we look at 2 John, the book that we're going to be studying from this morning, what we see is that at the heart of the teaching, all of the big questions that we answer, all of the things, all of life's most important questions come out of learning from the Lord. We might say, shouldn't we just hold on to Jesus instead of trying to hold on to the particulars of a Bible doctrine? But what we find here is that if we try to hold on to Jesus instead of his doctrine, we'll end up losing both. You want to open your Bible or just follow along. I'll put a lot lot of the passages up here in 2 John and verse 9. It's a short letter. And John writes, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ. Doctrine is just another word for teaching. The teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If you are abiding in Christ's teaching, not just just knowing the teaching, that, that won't save you, but abiding in it, living in it, dwelling in it, you have the Father and the Son. We want to talk this morning about abiding in the teaching, about making the truth your home, settling in to what that means, living in Christ's teaching. He starts the body of the letter, John does, by saying, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. Walking in the truth. See, the truth is not just something that we want to try to understand. The truth is, is something we want to live in. It, we look at the truth. We look at all that is true. Jesus said in John 17 and verse 17... Set them apart or sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. He said in John 10, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he says those who walk in the truth. we, We walk in it. We live in it. We build our lives within it. We stay in it. It's not just that we're fenced in by it. We, we make it our abode. That's what this word for abide means. It affects our behavior. It affects how we look at everything out in the world. It affects how we interpret things. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so what we put our faith in has to be reality. Reality in order for us to have a clear perception. And the place that we get reality, that we get truth from, is from understanding God's word. Truth is an important idea, right from the first paragraph of 2 John, where in verse 1, he says, he loves in truth, we know the truth, the truth abides in us, verse 2, Um, the truth is with us forever, verse 2. He ends the greeting by saying, grace be with us in truth and love. And then he opens the body, as we just said, by saying, some are walking in the truth. And so the truth and Christ's teaching is not the point. That's not the focal point of everything. You know, the, the Pharisees missed things sometimes by not only mishandling and misinterpreting the scriptures but by missing sometimes the point of the scriptures we focus on we focus on the teaching not because the teaching is everything like if you're a walking bible encyclopedia then that's it you've won that's not success that to know the truth, to learn the truth, to believe the truth, to walk in the truth is a path to God, to Christ, to relationship. It's, it's how we know Him. We don't know Him apart from His revelation of who He is. So, why is Christ's doctrine so precious? I'm going to look briefly at six traits of the truth. And then we'll look at three different pictures in the book here. First of all, its source is precious, makes it precious. I love the picture in Isaiah 2, verses 2 to 3. It's this wonderful picture of all the nations going up the mountain, Mount, Mount Zion. You know, everybody is coming. It's a picture of the church. Everyone is coming, all the nations flowing like a river, and when they come, who is the teacher? They come to be taught by all the excellent teachers at North Church of Christ. No, they come to be taught by God. And I pray that when, when I'm preaching here this morning, when we're in our Bible classes wherever we are, Whatever we're doing, that we're not trying to learn from a great teacher. We're trying to learn from the rabbi, Jesus Christ. We're trying to learn from the master. To be a disciple is to be a learner of Christ, is to be his student, his apprentice, to try to learn to think like him, to live like him, to behave like him, to learn from him. And so there is no greater source. You know, you look and look sometimes trying to find a reliable source about some issue you hear about in the news or some, some maybe a health concern. Have you, ever, have you ever started a week thinking that something was good for you and ended the week thinking some food you're about to eat is bad for you? <laughs> Things seem to change sometimes and you're like, who can I trust? God is reliable. You can count on him. There's a story. It goes with my illustration about math at the beginning. There's a story about this dean who noticed that this woman was taking this algebra class over and over again. And he asked her why. And she said that she was tired of arguing with her neighbors about everything in the world, that she wanted to study something she couldn't argue about. And mathematical computations, they don't change. It just is what it is. And there's something else that is what it is. And that is the word of God. Peter says that, you know, the flower falls off. The grass withers. You can look around and see trees shedding their leaves. Things change. But the word of God abides forever. You can count on it. So reassuring to know that. And we don't like to be exclusive. We don't like to exclude anyone. But truth is inherently exclusive. Competing ideologies cannot both be true. It's either this or it's that. Jesus either is, it's either Jesus is the way to salvation or Muhammad or someone else is. He either is or he isn't. We can't say well to be saved all you need to do is say a sinner's prayer and then go to scripture and find here's what you do to be saved Acts 238 repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins You know we we can't look and see these two different pictures whenever there's there whenever we look we go to the scriptures and we trust what it says and that when God specifies something that eliminates everything else there is no other name by which we must be saved but Jesus. There is only one way. Thy word is truth. Thy word is real. Thy word is right. The idea of truth is substantial. When we stand in the truth, we can stand in integrity. We can stand on solid ground. We can align our lives Align everything about us with what we know to be be accurate. There is a reality beyond our sight. Everything that I can tell you about that reality comes from this book. Because I haven't seen it. But I trust it. And I know that that is right. I know how to guide my kids into what is the right choice to make in a situation and what is the wrong choice to make because the word of God is right and true. And it is complete and completely perfectly accurate. I have a friend who says that their philosophy in life is moderation in all things. And that's Pretty good philosophy. There's a lot of good to that. But then you start applying it to everything. You say, okay, how much should I love my kids? Moderation in all things. How how much should I lie? Moderation in all things. It doesn't work for everything. But God's word works for everything. It is completely true. It is completely accurate. And finally, it's aim. It's aim to bring us to Christ. How tragic is it for someone who is seeking Jesus to throw out and disregard and minimize the way that we learn of Christ? By by studying his word, by seeking. It doesn't mean that a perfect understanding of every issue is required to, to know Christ. But we would know nothing of him except as we seek him in seeking his will, seeking his revelation, seeking to understand his revelation of himself. So three pictures here in this passage, here in 2 John 9 and 10. First of all, to stay within the doctrine, to stay. Again, this idea of abiding in the teaching or staying in the doctrine is a picture of a home. Think of your home. Think of how you feel when you walk into your home from work. It's like there's all of that outside and now you are within this place. The place where you rest. The place where you make your life. And it's as if the doctrine is a home whose walls secure us in Christ. If we settle ourselves into Christ's doctrine, living and teaching within the truth, then we have Christ. Like this little paper picture down here. I think I was thinking of you know the pages of scripture, giving us this sense of of where we build our life. We build our life within the teaching of the Lord. We could say, okay, that's a great place to visit, but I'm going to to go explore. I'm going to go have an adventure away from the teaching. And in fact, that's the picture that we see in in this next image. He says in 2 John 9 that anyone who runs on ahead, runs on ahead. You know, our family, like many of you, are big into going to the Fort Wayne Children's Zoo. Love going to the zoo. Get a pass most years and... Sometimes being the dad that I, I usually take them by myself. A lot of times when like it's dad's day to watch the kids, I take them and it's me trying to keep track of four different kids. And you know, you just can't keep them all right next to you. It doesn't work that way. You know, Asher wants to run up ahead because there's something interesting up there. We're being boring, we're being slow, there's something new. You know, they have dinosaurs this week. We're going to run up and, you know, not real dinosaurs, but, you know, they recently had the dino days or, you know, there's a new, there's a new uh, jungle gym, a new red panda. Okay, let's run on up ahead. We have to be careful not to approach our faith, our walk with Christ in that way. We might want something new. We might want to, to innovate something. We might want some... To to come up with, you know, or find someone else who's talking about some new idea. We read in 2 John 9, anyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ doesn't have God. The one who abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So there's this idea of not running on, not not getting ahead of Christ or losing sight of him or wandering onto a different route. There's this sense that, I get this sense anyways, that Jesus is leading this this collection, his caravan of people, and he's leading at his pace to his destination, in his way. And if we're going to be with him, we walk with him. We walk at his pace, to his destination, in his way. And so there's this sense of of being in his teaching allows us to be staying with him. When we go on, when we wander off away from it, then we haven't just left the doctrine, we've left the Father and the Son. And finally, He says here, sorry, he says, if anyone comes to you in the next verse, if anyone comes to you and doesn't bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Well, that seems pretty, pretty harsh. Don't even say hi. Well, you know, there's this sense that, you know, a, a greeting can start to look like, like um, endorsement. And that's the beginning, to bring them in, is the beginning of you slipping into this path. And so, and so the apostle wants to separate us. He says about the danger, back earlier in verse 7, many deceivers have gone out into the world. What's the opposite of truth? Deception. There are those who would, who would share false things. And so... The commandment here is for us to discern what is being taught and to make a teaching. This, this is the principle. Distinguish between those who teach the truth and those who go outside of it. Just because someone calls themselves a Christian doesn't mean they have Christ. So, as First Thessalonians 5.21, we test everything. And, and we hold on to what is good, or as Acts 17:11 says, "Of the Bereans, they search the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. And I hope that's what you're doing. with this teaching, with all teaching. I won't receive anyone who brings a different doctrine. So the point is to value the teaching value truth to make it a lifelong pursuit it's not like you just say okay yeah i i choose truth and then all of a sudden you know the truth and all of a sudden you're walking in all the truth no you make that an aim as we aim to know christ better we aim To seek to understand his teaching, to seek to live his teaching, to trust in his teaching, to put confidence in his promises, to see the world as he reveals it to us, to see life eternal and prioritize the things that he says are the priorities. Recognize the tremendous change that happened on the day he died on a cross and the day he rose from the dead to know who the true king is reigning from on high to know that someday maybe today he will return to bring resurrection to bring judgment and to bring his into everlasting life we need to to recognize that you you don't have to you don't have to be some you know highly credentialed scholar to understand What God teaches. Participate in our Bible classes. Prepare for them. Show up for them. Engage with the word. Participate in the Bible studies. Participate in the Bible reading plan. Engage in your own studies. When you find a question that, you know, not just some random, oh, this would be interesting. Though that's fine. But when you find a question that, you know, this matters, I need to understand this as Christ wants me to understand it, dive into it. Use your resources. That includes the people here. It includes a lot of other resources, but get into the word and trust what the word says. Stand by it. Speak it to others. Constantly have an eye towards application. What does this look like for me to live it? What does God want me to take from this? Start with what did this mean originally, and then ask, "What does this mean for me?" And defend it. Speak up for I mean, it doesn't mean you have to be harsh or mean. You know, we, we give an answer, as First Peter 3:15 says, with all gentleness and reverence, but we give an answer. And we can express. Here's what the Word actually says about that. Let me show you. You test it. Don't trust me. Look at what these words of the Bible says. If you've been around this, you know, if you're you're new to being amongst us, as, as, you know, a few of you are, you can see that the focus of so much of what we do is in the Word, is in teaching, is in applying, is in focusing on understanding, and, and, and teaching and spreading God's word. Why is that? Because that is how we're spreading the kingdom. We need the teaching. Well, there's other things, of course, that we're doing. But the word is so fundamental to being a disciple.